Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the First in Orange podcast. This is Denver Post sports writer Kyle Newman, joined by my colleague Ryan O'Halloran. Got a packed show for you here today, talking rookie minicamp, the 2021 schedule, situation at right tackle, and much, much more. So Ryan, we'll start off with, we just got done with the uh, first day of rookie minicamp over in Dove Valley and hard to give any initial impressions with the fleeting glimpse of practice that we saw. But we also did talk to Vic Fangio before practice, and he had some interesting updates. Yeah, it was good to get Vic for the first time since the night of the draft. So a lot of stuff has happened between in the last 13 days. Yeah. And, you know, what I asked about was uh, right tackle. You know, Jawan James tore his Achilles about a week and a half ago. He's on non-football injury, probably out for the season, probably never going to play here again, probably a waste of money. But they, the end know, of an error. End of an error. error. End of an error. Um, I do credit George Payton Broncos GM acted quickly. Yeah, they brought in guys this week. They signed Bobby Massey previously with Chicago, and then they signed Cam Fleming previously with the Giants. And as uh, Vic said, hey, this would be a right tackle competition. Bobby Massey's got to be your favorite. He started over 100 games in this league. Cameron Fumbling has uh, started one full season. It was last year for the Giants. So I think what they're trying to do is they got two tackles on one-year deals for basically the cost of that may have uh, been one guy for maybe a two-year deal, like a Dennis Kelly from Tennessee who was also in here. So Massey and Fleming, if Massey wins the job, then they have a decision to make. Uh, is Fleming your swing tackle or the Calvin Anderson, your young guy? Is he the guy? Is he a practice squad guy maybe? So, you know, I don't know if – you know, I'm trying I'm, – I'm torn. Have they actually upgraded right, right tackle? Maybe. Maybe. Serendipitously, maybe. Did you love it when Kyle Newman uses these big words? I'm going to be running to my thesaurus. They didn't teach that word at Kansas State. <laughs> um, I, if Massey's a guy, then I think it is an upgrade. I mean, Bobby's been banged up a little bit himself. But if he can stay healthy. Yeah. Right? But that was a big question mark with James even yeah. before the Achilles. So. And I, I did a couple of radio things outside the market. You know, we're not, <laughs> you know, let's face it, we're not cool enough to be on the radio here in Denver. Hey, occasionally. Um, that... There was going to be drawn James injury drama at some point. It just happened to be a lot earlier than we thought. And, and so, a lot more dramatic with yeah. the offsite NFLPA getting involved. Yeah, that's going to be a fiasco. Yeah. Fiasances. Right. Allegations, <laughs> et cetera. But, uh, so right tackle. Um, you, uh, you, know, you asked him about, well, let's get to Javante Williams a little bit later. But, you know, he's talked about the quarterback a little bit and, and – he, he, Vic Fangio was joking when he said, maybe I'll flip a coin for the first day of OTAs. Well, to me, that, I wouldn't, that wouldn't bother me if that's really what he did because both guys, are Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, are starting from scratch. And, and if they say it's a competition, so you just go every other day with these guys. So, yeah, there wasn't a ton of news there. But, um, you know, one thing, you know, they didn't have rookie camp last year, so they have it this year. And I say, hey, what do you get out of this? He said, you know, give them the playbook, teach them the system, you know, go over, hey, this is what this is what you're supposed to do for the next month or so. And uh, when they're on the field, we're allowed to watch for 30 minutes. It was, just, it was like watching 30 minutes of a regular season practice, just individuals. But Patrick Sertan is like a gazelle out there. And, you know, he talked about in his Zoom today, Wanting to take on a leadership role, even here in this rookie minicamp, even from first day, day one, and you saw him out there today, obviously as the number one draft pick in the first round. I mean, 
you know, he's going to get all the reps, but he was in the front of every line. You saw him popping from station to station. Hello. And in addition to his athletic prowess, easily on display, he had a little pep in his step. Yeah. And to me, it feels like maybe Vic Fangio talked to him and says, Hey, they're going to, these kids are going to be looking to you as the first round pick. And that's one thing that Pat said on the zoom was, Hey, you know, uh, that's what I'm trying to do. And I thought that was, uh, I was, I was totally impressed by how he handled that interview session. And I think his best line was, he was asked, you know, are you concentrating on learning the nickel or outside? He goes, I'm learning the whole defense. And that's what you want to hear. Uh, so, yeah, the running thing conversation when we're watching practice is at what point of the regular season does Pat Sertambi is your best corner? I think it's going to be pretty dang quick. You They're said gonna, week four a couple yeah. weeks ago. Are you moving it up? Uh, I'll stick with week four. Okay. I'm going to go week six. Yeah, week four, let's go week four and – then they're going to just, who's the odd man out at corner? But uh, that's a long way down the line. And yeah, another guy that was out there today wearing number 33 was uh, Javante Williams. And um, you know, Kyle, you did a lot of reporting for a story on him this week and, and, and asked Vic Fangio a question about him as well. What, what were some of your takeaways from uh, talking to people close to him? Well, he's wearing number 33 because he wore number three in high school. And you want a number three, obviously, that's taken by some quarterback on the roster. For so. now. For now. So he went with 33. But, yeah, uh, done a lot of reporting on him, you know, called his high school coach. And uh, you actually caught up with the North Carolina offensive coordinator and helped me out with that. So a lot of, a lot of guys talking and a lot, of, a lot of similar threads here with Pookie, as he's known. And this guy was an unheralded small-town running back, Wallace, North Carolina. And, and he didn't get an offer till North Carol- from North Carolina until after his senior year championship game. He led his team to four straight championships and uh, finally got that offer. Basically, everyone said he's too small. Uh, you know, he doesn't have enough experience at the position because he played linebacker his first three years of high school before switching to running back and tearing it up. And then he went to North Carolina, split time there and with Michael Carter, who was also drafted by drafted and drafted by the Jets. So this is a guy with very little tread on the tires, and I think George Payton alluded to that or maybe even mentioned it outright early on draft night. But this is a guy who I think has a supremely high ceiling. And, you know, even though Michael Carter was the, the main running back, Pookie kind of overtook him or overshadowed him, at least statistically, got the team offensive MVP last year. So his potential and his NFL potential is pretty high, and, and you know, his, his knees are pretty fresh, so to speak. So how do you spell Pookie in Sunday's Denver Post? P-O-O-K-I-E. At least that's how they spell it down the walls. I want to call him an overnight sensation. Uh, his first year at Carolina, didn't really do much. Got on the radar a little yeah, bit, right? Uh, you know, coaching changed, which really helped him. And, and then had that gigantic junior year with, you know, what really stuck out is the amount of touchdowns he scored. You know, and you mentioned the North Carolina offensive coordinator. When I talked to Phil Longo about him, I said, Phil, I said, what was his bread and butter play? He goes, he had like four of them. He goes, he can run outside zone, he can run inside. Uh, and then he said the misperception of Javante is you see him, you think he's just a power guy. He goes, that is totally incorrect. He can, he can run over you, but he can also run away from you. So I think that's why the Broncos you know, traded up five spots, giving up a, a fourth rounder that they didn't get back to, to you know, let's, let's face it. I think he's going to be their week one starting running back. And... Uh, and Melvin Gordon will play some kind of role, which will be interesting to see how Melvin handles that. But, uh, but I think that was a good pick. And, uh, and you know, some of the other things Vic covered, uh, 
nothing that jumped off the radar. You know, Baron Browning, Ohio State, third-round pick. Excuse me, third-round pick. Yes, he's working an inside linebacker this week. You know, they've signed a lot of these draft picks, but all of them are participating. So uh, I wish we had more information on that, but we were uh, not allowed to uh, watch. But Vic did say they don't have enough guys to do 11-on-11 just even in a walkthrough setting because they have one defensive lineman. Bill Kohler had his own guy. <laughs> working down in the, the north end yeah, zone over there. That was there. hysterical. It's like, dude, give the kid a break. It was Marquis Spencer, the seventh-round pick from Mississippi State. So And he was just, just nodding. You could just see just trying to soak everything soak in. Soak everything in. So, yeah, so uh, – It'll be interesting to see if they're able to finish up because I did see some lightning to the east. But uh, that was that's your rookie minicamp update. So a couple more notes on Javante Williams before we move on to talking the schedule. You mentioned he's not just power or speed. He's a combination of both. He ranked first in the nation with 75 avoided tackles. Also was second in rushes of 10-plus yards with 42. And third in rushing first downs with 72 you mentioned the touchdowns, 22. That's a North Carolina program record for total touchdowns. So statistical explosion there, a lot of tread on those tires, and a lot of upside for Javante Williams, who, whom some critics, like Ryan O'Halloran, think is going to be the starting running back. And week one will be at the New York Giants. And the Broncos opening on the road with consecutive road games. But uh, three winnable games, especially at the front end of those schedule, with the Giants Jacksonville and New York Jets before they play Baltimore and Pittsburgh. So initial thoughts on the schedule. And I've done a ton of analysis on DenverPost.com slash Broncos. What are your thoughts, Ryan? Well, there's no excuse for them to get off to a fast start. And they have to get off to a fast start. It's got to be two, two and one or three and oh. Yeah, right? two and one, three and oh. And everybody that covers the Giants probably thinks they're going to beat the Jaguars. Everybody that covers the Jaguars has told me they're going to beat the Broncos. So it's that shows you the state <laughs> of these teams. But, those, you know, the – Johnny Lawrence is going to throw for four hundo. Yeah, Tebow us. is going to catch three touchdowns. Um, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> yeah, let's not go uh, down that road. You know, those three teams went nine and thirty-nine. Jaguars week two have a rookie quarterback. Jets week three have a rookie quarterback Zach Wilson. You know, this this these two last two seasons for Vic Fangio were derailed pretty much before they started. They started zero and four, zero and three. Had to start chasing the season, so you can't get to October again and the season's over. Yeah, and I mean, because Vic's tenure will probably be over or on its way to over. Yeah, if it'll that be on the on the outs. Yeah. To me, the way this first three games sets up is you start Teddy Bridgewater. You say, hey, against rookie quarterbacks, against young quarterbacks like Daniel Jones in the opener, you know, lean on your defense, make things difficult. Hey, Teddy. Uh, manage the game, don't do anything stupid, don't turn it over, and get out of here with a win. You know, I think that would be my approach. And I think both quarterbacks are going to end up starting games this year. That's just, you know, because they're, also, they're not. Both or at least three with Brett Rippon in there. Uh, We're following past couple years' trends, right, Ryan? <laughs> well, I'll go two. I'll just go two. I'll just, just go two. two. Just two. So, okay. But, uh, you know, and I think that's the easiest stretch of the schedule. I mean, I preface it by saying when you come off 5-11 and 11 season and you have not declared a starting quarterback, is there really an easy stretch? Probably not, but I had to pick one. That would be it. I think another easy stretch is they play three, three games in a row against the NFC East, Washington at home, at Dallas, Philadelphia. I don't think Philadelphia can be any good at all. Washington's good on defense. Ryan Fitzpatrick is their new quarterback. Not sure how they're going to do against this Bronco defense. So if they can find a way to have an above 500 record going into their bye – then you then you say okay maybe this team's got some momentum the young guys have started uh, have started to learn how to win a little bit. 
And so after the buy, then, I, you know, if I pick a stretch there, that's especially critical. It's weeks 14, 15, 16, Detroit, Cincinnati, and then at Las Vegas. Pretty tough schedule after the bye with the Chargers, KC, uh, and then those three teams, and then Chargers and KC to close. So, you know, you got to go through Justin Herbert a couple times. You got to go through Patrick Mahomes a couple times after the bye. Got to pick up those wins against the Detroit Lions and Cincinnati Bengals, right? I mean, especially uh, with, with the Lions in, in rebuild mode and then Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, his really first full year in yeah. the NFL this year. And, you know, I can choose between that and that, but you're right about that division thing. You know, you have to go look back and say, have they ever finished with that much division heavy down the stretch? You know, uh, four of their last, excuse me, five of their last uh, seven after the bye are our uh, division games. Again, folks, first in Orange podcast, that's Ryan O'Halloran. This is Kyle Newman talking Broncos and the 2021 NFL schedule here on the show here today. And uh, we're going to close the show here with an update on some late-breaking news here, some developments on Deshaun Hamilton. Now, yesterday, Ryan, you reported that uh, Broncos potentially looking to trade him. If not, he, he might have been waived. But now today we're hearing Hamilton sustained an ACL injury at an off-site facility. Any update and thoughts? Yeah, don't know. This is, uh, right now it's uh, 2.43 Denver time. Uh, he was training off-site. I'm told he has not been training at the Broncos facility all off-season. Let's, let's rewind 24 hours. You know, it was an item out there that he was going to be waived. That did not happen because I think they were preparing to do that and they got some calls maybe for a trade. Um, I wasn't expecting to see him on the wire today, Friday as well, either, excuse me. So, but now off-site, here's the bottom line. This is now two players who've been training off-site at the union's suggestion who've now been uh, potentially lost for the season. That means they won't get their money. And Deshaun may not have gotten it anyways if he would have cleared waivers. He would have had to sign a new contract somewhere else. But this is, not, this is another bad day for the union. At what point, if you're their leadership and say, hey, we tried to make a stand, but our guys are getting hurt. Let's get them back in the facility. And Because if, if, if these guys are hurt at the facility, A, it still stinks. But B, they get their money. And I, I, didn't, I mean, I've never understood this thing to start with when we started talking about this about two months ago. I think it was a stupid thing by the PA to even consider this. Because they knew if yeah. guys got hurt, this would happen. Jawan James, Deshaun, yeah. et cetera. They, the guaranteed money goes away. And, and here's the, on the flip side, Quentin Williams from the Jets, he sustained injury at the Jets facility. Hey, he's going to be ready for camp. He had his surgery. But even if he was out for a while, he still would have got his salary because it's, you know, once you get injured. So, I mean, it's bad luck that it's happened to two Broncos, but. It should send a message. If I'm a player after the James injury, I would have been at the Broncos facility the next day doing the same thing I was doing off-site. First of all, I would have never gone off-site to start with. I would not listen to my union rep. But uh, it just it's, what it means for the Broncos in the short term is not much because Hamilton wasn't in their plans either. Right. But if you're if you're Deshaun now, it's a it's an unfortunate situation. First Orange Podcast, Ryan O'Halloran, Kyle Newman. Appreciate you listening in to today's show. Again, head to denverpost.com slash broncos for continued coverage of the team. And until next time, folks, take it easy.